Hello and welcome to the Light the Sky podcast. It has been a while since we've come to you out there. Uh, a lot has happened in the Light the Sky world. Mark has been busy uh, working on a bunch of projects. I think he worked on a feature film at one point. Chris has been busy with work. A lot going on. Alex has been busy. I know he's playing in gigs all the time. As for myself, well, I have a new addition to the family. Uh, my daughter was born, and I've been mus- uh, moving this room that I usually come to you from. been in the process of building myself a new room, uh, something with a little bit more space, and honestly, something to clean out the upstairs space. Um, now that it's getting a little cluttered because we need more of it now with a new family member. So trying to move that around, I'm coming to you from a temporary setup. Don't have my usual rig tonight, so I'm not sure, um, how much examples I'll be playing for you tonight, but, uh, we'll do our best. And I thought that this would be an experiment. One, we wanted to let you know that we're still out here. Um, please go back, enjoy our discographies. Uh, we've done quite a few of them. We've done Van Halen, we've done Metallica, we've done Pink Floyd. You've heard them if you're a regular listener, just finished up with Boston. And we did select a new discography. Um, who knows if it'll change by the time we get around to doing it actually, but we will see when that rolls around. Either way, we still are talking. We still are chatting about music when we can. We haven't had the opportunity to get together in person, even as much as we had previously, just because there's so much going on. Uh, Scheduling podcasts has been difficult as of late, but we are still thinking about you. Thank you for the letters that we've gotten. Thank you for the emails. We are listening to you. We hope you are enjoying what we've done in the past. Um, We will see when that new discography gets released. You know what? By the time we do it, it'll probably be totally different. In the meantime, though, I decided to do a little bit of an experimental show tonight. We'll see how this goes. This is already take two. Uh, I said in take one that, you know, everything might be deleted. Why is this take two? Well, because my rig, my temporary rig that I talked about already failed me stopped recording when i was 10 minutes into the first take uh maybe i get it better this time who knows Uh, but what i wanted to talk about today one of my favorite topics production this is totally off the cuff so no script no preparation i've got no idea what i'm doing here solo behind a mic probably should have written some notes down um But you've heard us talk in the past, we did a whole special episode on production, Um, and we also did a special episode on general music questions, and my thought tonight was to combine the two, uh, talk about various aspects of production, uh, production as a whole uh, from the start, and then just talk about some of the discussions I've seen online, because as a topic, it, it is one of the topics that I'm passionate about, that I like reading about, um, like learning about. And when I see it talked about online, obviously it piques my interest. So I pay special attention to it when I do see it online. So production, you know, there's so many various aspects to that word. There is the whole sonic side of it. Even starting from the microphones and the recording techniques and that whole engineering side, the end. You know, in a lot of ways, I view the engineer as an arm of the production of the album. 
And then there's, you know, the mixing side, the mastering side, you know, but there's so much more than that as well. You know, you have artist relationships, you have label relationships, um, you have budgetary, um, you know, conflicts, you have scheduling for, for, for just, in the end, creating a product of this song or this album, right? But mostly when we talk about production as casual music listeners, we're usually talking about the sonics. So it's everything that we can hear. And so you'll see it out there discussed online about, well, you know, I, I don't really hear bad production or good production or, you know, we'll get on the topic of bad or good production later. But there are those people that, that don't hear production which kind of confuses me for but first of all you know first i'd like to say that i'm almost a little jealous of that because then i could enjoy some of those albums that are so obvious like like those later boston albums where tom schultz had those horrible program drums every time i hear it it grates on me right um and then if I didn't hear it, then maybe I could just enjoy the songs. Maybe a bad mix wouldn't affect me as much as it does and just make me long for more. Um, for instance, I'll give you another example. There's the Def Leppard album in 1999, Euphoria. Um, without giving anything away, you know, you, who never, you never know what we're going to do in the future, but without getting anything away... Um, I enjoy a lot of songs on that album, but I just feel like the mix is very 1999. And if the mix were do- done in 1987, like, man, how much better some of those songs would be. And how, how at the top of my list some of those songs would be as opposed to, yeah, I like it, but... Yeah, I like it, but all the sounds are there, but it's just, you know, a very 1999 mix. You know, the drum sounds, it's the classic snare sound, but it's just not mixed front and center to be huge. Um, I've always wanted to remix that album. Def Leppard, if you're listening to this, uh, send me uh, the tracks for that album because I'd love to remix one or two of the songs and and try to get closer to that 80s sound as, as I can. Um... But if I didn't hear that, what, what would it be? And you have to think that, in reality, you know, these people that say they can't hear production, well, they can. They can. There's just a threshold. Their threshold is different, right? Because, you know, let's take another example, classic example of Death Magnetic. Now, that may fall, fall into the mastering bucket of production, or it fall, may fall into the mixing bucket of production. Now, you know, there's been blame both ways, you know, uh, on who takes the blame for the, those particular sonics on that album. But it's a hotly debated one. You've probably heard people talking about it before, right? So think about that album. And if you could not hear it, like, oh, yeah, it sounds a little loud, but whatever, I just use my volume, you know? No big deal. Would that affect, you know, the enjoyment of the that album? You know, it's like, oh, no big deal. As opposed to somebody's like, man, it's just overly, my ears can't take it. It's just a constant barrage. Everything is just 
too much, you know, it's hard to listen to the songs when that's what the brain is focusing on. But you have to think like, okay, that's one example. Hot mastering, maybe a hot mix, maybe a poor mix, whatever. Now, take an extreme example. Let's say they made that same album. The guys got into a room. They got into the studio. They booked all this time. But they decided the best way that they were going to fulfill their artistic integrity was to put one microphone in the closet, shut the door, uh, record the band in the main room, so all you hear is the sound muffled behind a door of the closet. Pretty much everybody could hear that. You say, well, is that actually production? Well, it's, you know, it's very extreme. Yeah, it's, it's bad microphone placement and, and bad decision on pretty much everybody's part releasing the album. <laughs> but really, like, yes, that's a very extreme version of it. But you would think at that point, like, man, what is this garbage? I can't believe it. I mean, think about the snare on St. Anger. We, we, we talked about it so many times, that open, like, uh, where the snares turned off kind of sound, the trash can, as Chris called it. Like, you know, that's, that's something that a lot of people heard. Like, that threshold was hit. Whatever that threshold was, was hit. So... I have to think that, yes, there is, everybody can hear production. Now, if you can hear the big things, do the little things make the difference? Um, I, I tend to think so, but I'm also one of those people that really delves into the clean, pristine, um, just kind of perfect... Uh, not necessarily all lined up and gridded and everything like that, but, you know, that just very clean, beautiful, sonically pleasing production, that's, that is what I'm into, right? And this leads us into our next topic of opinion. Can production be good or bad? But this is a question we struggled with even in music, right? So you've heard us. If you've listened to any of our shows, any of our discographies, Love It or Flush It is a thing. And we have a lot of fun and we go through the album and we love Flush, Terminate by these songs, right? And yeah, it's fun. And it's supposed to be entertaining and we have fun with it. And, you know, of course it's not 100% serious because nobody wants to sit down and listen to a podcast where you have, you know, an encyclopedia read to you because that's boring. Not entertaining. So we talk all the time about good music, bad music, but ultimately it filters down to what we like and what we don't like. And we've had the debate on the show a lot of times about what's subjective. Music is all subjective. I like this. You you don't like this. Well, who's right? Who's wrong? Well, it's art, right? So I know I'm listening to it. And my reaction, whatever neurons in my brain or my feeling is just like, yeah, I don't like this. And really, I should be, you know, the point of what we do on the show and somebody with a good argument would be like, I don't like this because, you know, I don't like this because the song structure doesn't appeal to me. There's too much repetition, something, something to validate how we're feeling. Now that doesn't, maybe somebody likes it because of the repetition. And that doesn't make them wrong either. So we get into this, this area where everything is a shade of gray. 
But of course, you know, on the show, we we debate, the fireworks go, we have fun, you know. You're wrong, you're wrong. No, it's like, I hate it all. That's all well and good. But, you know, we, we, we go and we talk about music in this way. The good, the bad. And then let's flip it over to production. And you find yourself looking at the exact same issues. What makes good? What makes bad? If you are a fan of the 80s style, the big drums, the gated reverb, you know, the clean, jangly guitars, compression on, on those guitars, big background vocals, things like that, you'll be fine with those albums. And if you're not a f- fan of that style, you like a dry style, you like something stripped down, something, that, you know, that I hate that term overproduced, but, you know, t- you know let's say you call that, that, that kind of style overproduced, um, that 80s style overproduced, you know, you, you're not going to like that. But is one good or bad or, or better than the other? In the end, it comes down again to what we like. And that's just very hard to reconcile. That is very hard to reconcile. But at the same time, you have to admit that there are production styles that fit styles of music better. There are production styles where if you hear a song by a band or a group or an artist and you think, you know, it would be perfect like this. I, you can see it just fitting. It fits like a glove. This song fits this production style like a glove. You know, there's a reason like punk bands have a more stripped down, raw style of production to them. For the most part, again, you're going to find the ones that don't, right? You're going to find that the sheeny, the sheen, shiny punk band, you know, productions maybe won't happen as much. But at the same time, why? Why is it like that? Well, because, you know, the music is more stripped down, raw, in your face, dirty. So the production style is going to be more stripped down, raw, and dirty. It fits together so you you know as much as there's an opinion this way an opinion that way on good and bad can you say it's good if it fits the style of music i don't know at the same time i don't want to discount an entire style of music because i don't like the style of production it's really it's it's like you're walking on this edge where do you fall and i think Again, this is another line that divides people. I mean, think about it. If, if you take your favorite progressive rock song of all time, right? Or take something like, oh, let's see something that's really kind of out there. Uh, take, take your mo- favorite modern progressive rock song of all time. Let's say you take something like that and throw massive 80s production on it. Drown it in reverb. Drown it in delay. Okay. Would you like it as much? Does it suffer because of it? 
Would you like it more, maybe? At what point does the production boost or negatively take away from a song, from that work? Now, see, I've always been this fan of the fact like production cannot make a bad song good, but production can make a good song bad. If that makes sense. <laughs> like you can have an amazing song and have the production be so lousy to me where I will just not I will just not have the desire to listen to it. Or but you can have a horrible song and have just amazing, awesome production on it. I will rarely, almost never get the urge to listen to that song. Even if I'm like, wow, you know, so well produced. And I love the sound of the guitars. You know, the, the drums are just really perfect. You can hear the space in it. But the song, it sucks. <laughs> like, I, I'm almost never going to listen to that song. I'll go find a song on there, that album perhaps, that I do like a lot more, I probably listen to that to death and, and love the production of it. Um, I'll try to think as we go about an album where that happens. You know, I mean, there are plenty of kind of 80s power pop, 80s pop albums where, you know, I'll like maybe the lead single or something like that. And then, you know, the B-side still has production I like, but, you know, yeah, that song's not not doing it for me I, i'm never gonna listen to it just because it's got production i like on it this almost reminds me of the lyrics debate you ever hear that one where people be loving a song and there'd be a certain group of people be like yeah man i love the song but i just can't get over the lyrics they're just too corny cheesy you know whatever you know songs like that I got an example, actually. The Count of Tuscany by Dream Theater. This is one of those songs for me. I really like the music. And I've actually found myself liking the music more. But God, those lyrics. You know, and maybe it's the delivery, too. Uh, the Cookie Monster vocals just really don't help. Like, Where are the Cookie Monster vocals? Uh, my brother... You know, let me introduce my brother. God, how was that even said with a straight face in the studio? I, I don't know, right? But at a certain point, you know, I get these lyrics and I think about them and like maybe they're too literal or whatnot. And I'm sorry, Mr. Petrucci, but it's just like I... I just, I, I, I can't get over the lyrics. And that knocks down the song for me. And then you'll read people online and be like, man, I didn't even notice the lyrics. I'm just here for the riffs. I'm just here for the, the notes. I'm just here for the, you know, the, the virtuosity. I just, I just want to hear them be heavy and be virtuos, you know, be virtuosos and play a million notes and, you know, do this epic song and that's it. And you know what? That's good. 
but I call BS on that a little bit. I've wanted to say this for a long time because there is a point where the lyrics matter, just like there's a point where the production matters. There's a threshold. And it changes for, you know, it's just like we talked about with the production and the styles. Take a song of a totally different style, take those lyrics, erase the lyrics for a song of another style. Paste the lyrics in their place. Is the song as good? You want me to give you an example? Fine. Take that same song, The Counter-Toxicity by Dream Theater. Get rid of the lyrics. Now you have a 20-minute lyricless epic. We're going to open up on the other screen. We're going to open up Love on the Rocks by Poison. Copy those lyrics. Paste them in The Count of Toscany. That's what James is singing. Same melodies, whatever. They're going to make it work. All those people that don't mind, don't even notice the lyrics of that song. Is that song as good now? You know, James Labrie opens up the song where she goes down like a shot of gin. Like, geez, after that beautiful guitar solo intro thing, imagine getting slapped across the face with that lyric. A lyric works in a poison song. It's a poison song. It's, you know, it's party rock. You know, like nobody, you know, nobody's taking that seriously. You know, it's supposed to be like goofy and over the top, and you know, just like almost cringeworthy. You know, but you take that same lyric and paste it in a dream theater song. It's supposed to be a little bit more cerebral. You know, thinking, you know, that's, that's the whole point. You know, we're supposed to be, you know, pat ourselves on the back for, you know, how much better our music is now. I'm just taking a dig at those progressive rock fans out there. Uh, but anyway, just, you know, paste those lyrics and suddenly it makes a big difference. Paste some of those David Lee Roth lyrics in some of those songs, you know, that are all serious and, and, and you know, take, take some of those David Lee Roth lyrics and 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 paste them elsewhere you know i think it's very in in that case and it's very hard for serious artists to be goofy it's just harder to pull off especially in the in the area of lyrics um because automatically you're going to have people who are just turned off I think it's easier for goofy artists to pull the serious card. Though it doesn't always work, you know. Not a huge fan of something to believe in by Poison. I don't know why. It's alright. Um, maybe it's the delivery. I don't know. But, you know, they've done other songs that are more on the serious side. Ride the Wind. I kind of like Ride the Wind. You know, again, not the most serious song of all time. In terms of the lyrical content. But it's relatable, you know. So that's another interesting area where you have threshold. You have that threshold. Maybe that's what this episode should be titled. It should be titled Threshold because I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but this is 100% off the cuff. I have no notes. I have no outline. I've got nothing. All I knew that I was going to start talking about production and see where that went. But maybe this is just about musical thresholds. Where do those thresholds lie for you? At what point can you just say to yourself, I can't take this anymore? Is it the electronic drums in a Boston album? You know? 
boy, the last thing I want is for us to leave the taste of live, laugh, love. God, is that the last album we covered? Jeez. What a thing to end on on the last discography. Man, we got to open up that new discography with something good because, woof. It's like you get that taste in your mouth. That, that taste has been sitting there for months. It's like that five-month-old taste in your mouth that you can't shake. Can't do any kind of mouthwash. It'll get it away. I'm sorry about that, folks. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll get something better to you soon. Maybe we, maybe we do the new Metallica album. Now that's an addition to an our discography an addendum. That would be kind of interesting. Take a take a listen to that. That just came out last Friday. Maybe I need some time to sink in as well. Who knows? It's a very fresh, very fresh album. Uh, and at least in terms of the release date, what you think about it? Well, that's your opinion. Um, but musical thresholds, where do they lie for you? At what point is is it too much or too little? I think everybody has those tolerance levels. And as I'm sitting here talking about it, I almost want to make a chart. It almost sounds stupid to be that scientific, but it's like you take your lyrics bucket and your production bucket and your songwriting bucket and, you know, what else can we, can we quantify with those thresholds? You know, maybe mixing and mastering, but that's part of production. You know, you could break it down into sub- and you take a chart and, and, and you put like, this is my low threshold. This is my high threshold. This is how much I can tolerate. And this is how much I can't. You could even say style. You know, people have style thresholds. You know, there's some people that just cannot listen to rap. It's totally fine. Some people cannot listen to rock. Totally fine. Some people can't listen to electronic music, atonal music, experimental music, you know, music that's barely music. Everybody's got that threshold. You know, you start moving out of the standard Western scales, um, moving out of, you know, that, that, that bubble, even Western, Eastern, you know, we're going to move into sub harmonics and tones and, you know, just almost noises and, and creating music that way. How much of that can, can somebody take? Where's that threshold? gets pushed all the time right and you personally like maybe you can't even take the slightest bit of that and then you're sitting next to somebody whose threshold for that whose tolerance level is that just that much higher but maybe you know you love this you know i don't know 90s dance music and they just can't stand it their threshold for that is very low and then at the same time you have songs that break that mold and songs that are gateways and entryways into that, which is also interesting. So you can have your threshold for, let's say, again, we've been talking about a lot about progressive rock. So let's just say 70s is progressive rock. You have that, that threshold. And let's say it's a very low threshold. Let's say you only like Close to the Edge by Yes. I don't know many fans that only like that album and no other progressive rock albums. But let's just say you did. You know, it's just an example. So that's where your threshold ends. And everything else, you're just like, man, I could leave it. But there might be that song that's like a gateway that pushes the threshold. It's almost, it's almost sounding like drugs. 
at the moment, which is very unfortunate. That that was not the intended way it was going, but it is like that. You know, you it, it opens up a new horizon. The threshold is increased. Suddenly, you find one or two more progressive rock songs that you like from the seventies, but there's still that limit. There's going to be that band that somebody says, "Man, you should really check it out." You know, they they made an album just like Close to the Edge, and you listen to it, and you're like, "Nope, that is outside." my threshold for listening to 70s progressive rock. Like, man, I don't know what you're talking about, about sounding like close to the edge. Maybe that's early Genesis for you, you know, when they're doing some of that. It gets a little bit too odd for you. you know, all that stuff is all kind of odd. You know, progressive rock in general from that era, you, know, you have to have a taste for it, an appreciation for it. Some people, it's like, no, none of it. Where does that lie for everybody? And maybe that's what we debate about all the time. You know, maybe that's why we go on Piper the Gates of Dawn and my threshold for that kind of music is like at a two and other people's is like at a six or seven, maybe not a 10. We're like, man, my threshold is really high. So I, I see where this album has such appreciation for it. And my threshold is really low. I'm like, man, like the meter is just hitting it constantly. Think of it like a limiter. The audio engineers out there, maybe even those those of you who aren't audio engineers, you see that limiter, and I've set that that threshold so low on that limiter. And so it is. The, the DBs are just hitting it constantly, and it does not sound good at that threshold. And somebody else is, that, that is raised up, the level of dbs it can sit comfortably in maybe it still hits it at some points but for the most part it's that much listen much more listenable and somebody who absolutely loves it there's almost no limiter on it can go on forever meters are freely running up and down as high as they want or as low as they want providing there's no clipping you know and they're loving every minute of it as for me you know you know the meters are constantly slammed and I'm just not going to like what I hear. Can we change those thresholds? I don't know. Probably because I just talked about like gateways into it. And anybody who's discovered music, discovered a new band, know there's like there's one song, there's one album, suddenly you get into it, suddenly you get into the back catalog. So yeah, there's ways of probably opening that up. But how is that done? Maybe that's a question for another episode. I'm not sure. Perhaps this is where I leave you today. Um, half an hour is not bad, right? We'll see what this gets edited down to. I kind of like the intro from the first take better. I almost want to do another take for the intro. But you know what? It's off the cuff. This is a random episode. Maybe Mark, Chris, and Alex hate this. They can't stand it. They're going to be like, don't publish it. Or maybe they're going to listen to it and be like, well, what on earth was Kevin rambling about for so long? Well, you know what? This was a 30-minute segment. It was very difficult uh, to just mumble my way through this. But hey, it's a solo show. Maybe I come on with a solo show next time and be more prepared. Let me know. Maybe you hated this. The audience, you know, maybe I'll get an email tomorrow that says, Kevin, don't ever do another solo show. Get everybody else back. It's so much better with everybody else. You talk too much. We liked when you just triggered the sounds. Just just trigger the flushes in the future, okay? 
you could do that. Press the button for the flush. You know, give us a couple thoughts on the album and just yeah, can it the rest of the time. Or maybe you want more of this. We're like, Kevin, you know what? You want a four-hour show? Do you talking? I doubt that's the case. Uh, I don't think I could even talk that long. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Please listen to our previous discographies. Listen to our special episodes. Let us know what you like, what you hate. Uh, we always hear what you hate, so um, that's no surprise ever. But let us know. We are listening to you. We are still here. We are still around. We still talk. It's been a blast, everybody. Thank you for being here, listening to this episode. I will see you later. Have a good one.